Have you subscribed to the OTB Football Podcast? Prove that I, I can play at that level. Some of my best games are against some of the top teams in the world. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Off the Ball Daily. Welcome back to this evening's Off the Ball. It was an incredibly busy weekend, uh, both here and abroad, uh, over the course of the last few days. And we've got ourselves an Ashes series, fully and truly, following England's three wicket victory yesterday at Headingley, which has brought them right back into the series. Australia will head to Old Trafford with a 2 1 lead following the heroics of Mark Woods in Leeds over the weekend. Delighted to say, joining us to look back on what was a fantastic weekend's cricket uh, was Melinda Farrell. Melinda, thank you for joining us on the show. Yeah, thanks very much. It's very exciting at the moment. Uh, as you said, we really do have a ding dong of an Ashes series now. <laughs> yeah, I think when uh, I think it was a Friday lunchtime when England were bowled out for two hundred and thirty-seven, uh, a lot of England fans, in particular, may have feared the worst that uh, the the I guess the the worst aspects of baseball were coming back to haunt them, and that they were going to be completely out on their feet in this Ashes series. They've now gotten something to dig their teeth into over the course of the next week and a bit before we head to Old Trafford. Uh, what was your feeling at that point when England were bowled out for 2-3-7 in that first innings and things did look a bit grim? Well, I, I didn't really know. I guess, I I mean, I was back at Headingley, so I was almost having a PTSD kind of physical reaction to being back there because in 2019, that last day, completely shredded uh, any nerves I had. I thought they'd all grown back again, but during the course of this Ashes, they've, they've been through the mangler a, a few times. And we know that England, particularly in the past sort of 16 months, have been great chasers uh, in the fourth innings. Uh, they almost did that at, at Lords with that brilliant innings of, of Ben Stokes. And I think it was probably on the, the fourth day yesterday at Headingley when Ben Stokes was out for 13, that that was a point where I thought, oh, okay, this, this is going to be a real challenge. And I'd always thought during the week that it would be really good for England to be able to win a match without Ben Stokes because he's so such a talisman for them. He's pulled out those heroics on, on so many occasions. Uh, and I think actually it, it was really good for England that they did win it without him. His, his first innings runs were obviously incredibly important. He was one of only four players to make more than 50 runs. So uh, they were hard to come by on what was a very good test pitch at Headingley. But to see the maturity with which Harry Brook composed his innings uh, will give them a lot to, uh, to be very happy about. To see the, the calmness of Chris Wokes when they when Australia were bowling short at him uh, because that's where he's you know perhaps been a bit more vulnerable and to see the just the sheer funky sparky joy of Mark Wood and the way he came out and again hooked Pat Cummins for six all of those things I think uh, will, to England will take a lot out of those uh, as they go forward because you know what this series has been so close. No team has ever been really uh, dominating the other. It could be 
three nil either way mm. but for a few sliding doors moments it could be two one either way so uh, this whole series is, is being decided on on f- a whole heap of moments that at just very fine margins could tip it the other way yeah like we go back to that first test at Edgebast and we were on air essentially as that was reaching its conclusion going down to pretty much the final over there uh, you look at the second test as well and the fine margins that it was decided by and then uh, with Mark Wood's 16 yesterday uh, which was like it's a 16 that's contained so many cheeky shots so many bits of luck as well um, I, 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 we go back that that incident involving um, Alex Carey from the Lord's Test seems to have had a bit of a hangover here and none more so yesterday than when he tried to chase a ball down a third man that was like completely beyond him and it was complete it was a, it was a brain fart moment from a wicketkeeper to be heading back that far to try and take a catch when it looked like his third man would probably be better served to take it but it seems like that was part of the hangover from Lords is that he wanted to supersede that moment I guess and, and, and have something else to be remembered by and those lines that were uttered to him by was it Stuart Broad said to him that's what you're going to be remembered for he seemed to want to you know prove people wrong to the detriment of Australia's uh, wanting to bowl England out yesterday Perhaps. Uh, I mean, we haven't spoken to Alex Carey since then, so not really sure kind of how he's been dealing. It would would have been a better catch for Scott Boland mm. to run in from the boundary and take. And, and again, you know, we talk about fine margins. And Alex Carey has actually been excellent with the gloves throughout the series. Uh, and until Headingley, he, he made really, really valuable contributions with the bat. So... Perhaps it's all rattled him a bit, the, the massive amount of controversy. There was a ridiculous controversy. Not, not what isn't even a controversy, but we're, we're calling it Barbergate just for the hell of it, where a rumour circulated and ended up in the papers that uh, he'd basically gone to a barber and got a haircut and hadn't paid. Uh, and then, that, I mean, it was just a, a ludicrous story. It was a rain day story and probably got legs. But, you know, it, it, when you've got the the Australian media manager having to send several clarifications on what had actually happened at the barbers. Uh, it was just, it wasn't even him that was there. But maybe, you know, this is what happens with Ashes series and that the the stumping uh, at Lords. Everything gets blown up. The smallest things that probably just no one would pay attention to in any other test series just gain traction and, and balloon into this massive deal uh, and it, it must be quite intimidating for the players no matter how calm and level you want to be it, it must be difficult to to shut out all the noise uh, but overall he's he's had a really good series it's just there are there's not a lot between these two teams so as as we go into this fourth test now all the players are going to go away for a bit they'll have some time away recuperate recover see how they are physically hopefully refresh mentally and we'll see just how calm they are now because australia are well in the they're in the driver's seat of this they only have to win one more test mm. to retain the ashes they want to win them outright so they they desperately want to make sure that they don't let it slip like they did in 2019 where they retained the ashes but didn't win them outright. 
So, yeah, it, it's it's just going to be interesting to see because England will feel now that they've got the the wind in their sails and they've they've done it in the fourth innings without having to rely on Ben Stokes. Prior to Headingley, you wrote uh, this open letter uh, in praise of or in support of Basball, as it's become known. Um, given how tight these tests have actually been, the first two in particular, are you surprised that there's been that level of criticism for it? In the, yes and no. Um, look, I, I do feel like the obituaries for Basball have been written by by a lot of people when they're the headlines of you know the day Basball died. I, I do think that there's a there's a certain amount of cynicism around ready to to take aim for it because there are there are some people who have thought it's yeah it's been great but they're not a hundred percent on board with it um and I can understand why as well some of sometimes I think that the way that the players have spoken about what they're doing um when it's all you know the, the results don't matter and and we're expressing ourselves and all of it. it doesn't go down well with people who just want to beat Australia they don't care about whether or not it's entertaining as long as as long as you know, at the end of the day, they beat Australia. It's a really, really strong compulsion over here to feel that way. Uh, so, so it doesn't really surprise me. But I, I do think you know, it, there's no doubt that it has captured the imagination. And without what Ben Stokes and Brendan McCullum have empowered uh, players to do, I, I don't know that we would have seen uh, that that the innings from. From Harry Brook, or, or seeing what even what uh, Mark Wood came in and did, there's there's a there's a lot in it, and it's not always going to work, and they're still going to make mistakes. That's the thing. They've they've dropped a, a lot of catches uh, in this series. They've perhaps made some tactical errors at times, but you're going to do that no matter what style of cricket mm. you're playing. Uh, and if they'd taken the chance, even half the chances that they've put down. We could be in a situation where they are three nils. So sometimes I think, yeah, it is more about the execution uh, of the basics. Australia got a lot of the basics right in the first two tests that helped get them over the line, uh, and uh, that's that's perhaps more of uh, of the issue. I think looking back on it, um, but look, the whole country is is talking about this Ashes series. People around the world uh, are watching this. I mean, you're interested in it. Everybody is. It's it's incredibly good for Test cricket. Would we be getting this kind of exciting series without the way England are playing if they were still going about things the way they used to? I'm not sure we would. Sure, there's there's I guess possible that they they could refine things and get better at doing certain things, but that's all part of it as well, isn't it? Nobody. As Ben Stokes said after the game, he's never met anyone who's figured out cricket. And so much as said in hindsight, looking back, and you're never going to know what would have happened if you did something the other way. And I think he's right. I don't think anyone has really conquered test cricket and and how to go about it completely. Is some of the scepticism around it kind of born from maybe traditionalists who have seen white ball cricket erode the level of interest that there's been in the full test match series, not just ones involving England, but generally across the board. And that any straying from the traditional, because let's be honest, cricket is, a, is an inherently traditional game. 
any straying from that course is always going to be met with a great deal of scepticism, particularly if you're leaning on white ball tactics, really. Yeah, and I think that sometimes, particularly initially, uh, a lot of what they were doing with so-called baseball was a bit misunderstood. It was, people just thought it was about going out there and bish, bash, bosh, um, you know, belting the ball about with, with abandon. And, and I, I think that's definitely a simplification of it. It's it's much more than that. It's about uh, with, with ball when you when you're fielding. It's about taking wickets. How do we take ten wickets? We're not going to do draws. So how do we take them? Whether it be in this over or this spell or this bowling partnership or this session. Uh, and so being willing to try and think out of the box to how do we move the game to a position where we can win it uh, and. With batting, it, it, a lot of it is is about trying to identify the moments to attack and then really attacking, but also being able to absorb pressure at times. And I, I go back to that Harry Brook uh, innings. I mean, he obviously played a bit of a wild hook and got a top edge and, and was out eventually, but he'd basically done the, the, the job at that point in getting them close enough that they could get over the line. Uh, albeit it, it still felt a bit hairy, but he did show a lot of maturity in that. And the, the weird thing is, you know, that chase, I think they they chased it down at five and over, even though it felt like there was a lot of mature batting there. So sometimes it just feels like a, a, you're a bit discombobulated because you almost don't realise how fast it's going. It must be very hard to play against. But, yeah, there, there's always going to be that traditional element that doesn't like it. Uh, I don't think that... The, that Ben Stokes, Brendan McCullum and the rest of the players are that bothered about the traditionalists. I think they want to speak to people who are watching and enjoying it and, and kids. It sounds so idealistic and there is a lot of cynicism, isn't there? And when anyone wants to be idealistic, there's always someone who's ready to knock them down. Um, and it does sometimes feel a little bit that way um, with the way they're playing. It's still okay to criticise it and find fault with it as well. Um, but I, I personally just don't feel that even if they lose the next two tests, that they should throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's it's almost like in terms of it's, it's realigning the aggression from where it has ordinarily lain within test cricket. Like if you think back to... Ashes series in the seventies, and you have Lillian Thompson going at the the English openers, trying to basically take them out as either physically or in terms of numbers, whatever way you want to look at it. And then uh, into the West Indies teams of the the eighties and early nineties with with Courtney Walsh and, and Curtly Ambrose, like that level of aggression and trying to uh, curtail an innings with the bat is no different to try and building a score using slightly more aggressive tactics. It's just the other side of the coin, at least to the yeah. layman like me. Yeah, and and also look, cricket has changed since then. T Twenty has changed cricket in in the kinds of shots that players have mastered. Now it's changed it in some of the the spectacular fielding that we see. It's changed it in terms of some of the the variations that we see in bowling as well. All of those things have have kind of really developed through T Twenty cricket, and and we see more of those. We see shots played now in test cricket that we wouldn't have seen uh you know 30 years ago and and part of that is that players actually practice those shots now so they execute them with confidence so while it may look 
uh, rash and and a bit crazy to 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 some of us watching they actually feel quite comfortable and composed in in playing some of those shots uh and, and look the other thing a big part of what they're trying to do is is back the players to a point where they're not looking over their shoulder and they they they're not afraid of of taking a risk or or backing themselves to to play certain ways um and that's that rem- trying to remove the fear of failure that is a, a real key to what they're doing and I, I look at someone like um Zach Crawley who made some really valuable contributions and he's he's a you can see why England back him because he looks so good he's sort of you feel like he's going to get to about 30 or so and then he's going to be in and keep going because he plays some absolutely glorious shots that often go for none or one, um, but then he gets out. And and he's a player, though, that I feel like if England can keep working with him and, and unlock his potential, even though he's had a good run already, I just feel like if they can, he could be someone who is an incredibly good opener who can do a lot of damage for England uh, particularly in the in the first innings when when he gets going. As they head to, um, actually, I wanted to talk about Moeen Ali because, like, he was obviously recalled for this test, and then we had that spell between uh, T and Stumps on Friday when he took two wickets and two fairly significant ones as well. Did, given his uh, in out nature with uh, with Test cricket over the past while, the fact that he was recalled for this series and then brought in at Headingley, that was a massive afternoon for him on Friday. It was, and and he only went for what a bit over two and over uh, mm. as well, which he said afterwards was probably the thing he was he was proudest of that he was able to bowl so economically, and I think like was it a seventeen over spell or something, but he 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 bowled um, really well, and he's still got that cut on his finger; it's it's partly healed, but. Uh, the fact that they were able to rely on him, whereas Australia, you know, they they were missing. They really miss Nathan Lyon. Mm. Uh, I think Todd Murphy only got two overs on that final day. And even though conditions weren't really conducive to spin and and Pat Cummins said afterwards that that was why he only got two overs, there is no doubt in my mind that if Nathan Lyon had been in that 11, that he would have bowled a lot more overs on the last day. Uh, Pat Cummins has bowled a mountain of overs compared to all the other Australians. So that just shows the difference in what Moeen Ali was able to bring. He he put himself up. He, he went to them the previous night when they were obviously having a bit of a conundrum with with Ollie Pope being out injured, and it was uh, you know they like to sort of not pre- sort of protect Joe Root. He likes batting at number four. He he does better at number four than number three. Some people don't like that at all and think he should be batting there, but. Uh, to have Moin Ali say he wanted, he went to him and said, I want to, why don't you give me a, a bat at three? I want a bat at three. And Ben Stokes loves that. That's the sort of selflessness that he loves in Moin Ali, a player who has batted everywhere from, I think, one to nine for England during his test career. It didn't pay off. Um, he he almost looked to be in two minds, actually, when he came in and batted. Um, but at, at, at the end of the day, they they will see that as okay. That's that's a really positive sign for Moen Ali, and I think they'll feel pleased with the contributions that he made in the game, albeit that that wasn't with a lot of runs. Even though they're still trailing in the series, does the fact that England have won this test now 
almost relieve the pressure in a perverse way that they know that they have a foothold now and that they know that they've proved that this form of cricket can work that they head to Old Trafford knowing that we can give this a right, right, right rattle here and uh, force to a fifth and, and who knows then Well after the loss at Lords, I actually asked Ben Stokes in the press conference about the position they were in and he gave this quite extraordinary answer that I, I, I get though he said the way we play our cricket uh, we're in the perfect position for us and and I think you know what he meant is that they basically uh, when their backs are to the wall is when they're most able to dig deep and bring out uh, special performances if you look at how many tests they have won uh, since they started playing this way by chasing down record scores or you know what seemed to be impossible fourth innings totals that's been a real feature or when you know in Pakistan where they, they they have to get 10 wickets and it's a flat pitch and it seems like there's no way in this world that you'd be able to take 10 wickets there or 20 wickets to win a test they've been able to find ways to do that so I, I think that's what he meant. It's, it's you know, that that pressure bring, really brings out something in them. And then he was asked about that comment again after the, the Headingley test. He basically said that doesn't change. You know, now they've still got to win everything. It's like being in a World Cup, isn't it? You've just got to keep winning to get to the end and get on that run and, and get that roll on. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they go and, especially I guess since they've got a break now where they go away and they come back um you almost wonder if if they were going straight into Old Trafford would that be better but then again with with all the tired bodies with the amount of cricket that they've all played uh over since the start of June I mean I can tell you I've done six test matches since the start of June and I've just been watching and I'm exhausted so <laughs> Goodness knows how these players are doing the it. The scheduling of this has come under criticism though as well, hasn't it? That there hasn't been given enough time to breathe and that, that the injuries that we've seen to players like Nathan Lyon can really come as no surprise given that the rigours that these players are under. Yeah, it is a ridiculously compressed series. Uh, and, and, you know, we're seeing that Ollie, um, Ollie Robinson has got some back spasms, so we're not sure about him. Uh, Josh Hazelwood wasn't quite, quite right before this one. Uh, Ollie Pope's obviously got the injury. Then Nathan Lyon. Then you look at the, the other bowlers as well, and, and uh, I, I, you just don't know who's, who's kind of going to be in the best shape as well. Um, it, it is ridiculous, and I, I wish it wasn't quite so uh compact um or all and it is because they you know they want a clear window for uh the hundred this year which won't happen next year in England I think there are tests scheduled um in September and that's been forced by the T20 World Cup which takes out all of June so they physically can't fit in six five five test, test matches six test matches sure. in in a month um but yeah it, it's not ideal um and I just hope that we don't see um, any other injuries. Thank goodness there is this little bit of a break now so that that hopefully any niggles can be put to right with, with a little bit of rest, but we'll just have to wait and see how, how they pull up. There's been injuries and there's been form as well has come under, you know, certain players have come under a bit of um, question for that. And Johnny Burstow is, is probably the one that stands out 
I guess because he's such a, a, a totemic figure in that side and has been for the past while but it seems like his place is going to be firmly under threat going to, going to Old Trafford So that, that will be interesting I mean it was quite contentious uh, at the start of the summer when they brought Johnny Bairstow back obviously off a, a horrendous in, mm. injury it came at a, an awful time for him and you know everybody think felt sorry for him at that point um but then Harry Brook came along and uh, he was so exciting as well then the decision to drop Ben Folks who is as Ben Stokes has described him in the past as best keeper in the world uh that was really really caused a lot of debate over here and the fact that Johnny Bester has dropped uh, and quite a few catches so far in this series and not being able to get going with the bat has kind of highlighted that. No one doubts his class uh, and, and his contributions. Well, was he completely not, he was fit, but I guess match fit and, and back to his best. He has had kind of patches in his career where he's been brilliant and then he's been off a little bit and then brilliant. And he was on such a brilliant run for so long. Uh, but then, I, I mean, I do think as well, part of this is uh, they, they do like to back people in. Uh, so I, I don't know what they'll do. I have a sort of feeling that they would stick with him. Um, maybe there's another way, another balance that sort of brings a bit of a twist in the tail. They're not above some kind of funky selection at some point. So uh, we'll just have to see. But it would certainly... I'd put it this way, if, if Johnny Bairstow has the gloves and bats at Old Trafford, you would feel that, he, you know, he he needs to make a, a real contribution uh, with either bat or with gloves. Uh, at this far a remove from that fourth test, would you dare call it? No, no way. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't dare call it if it goes to five days. Yeah. I wouldn't call it at the end of the fourth day. I you just <laughs> that's what's been so brilliant about it. It has just seesawed the whole way through. It, it you just never feel we haven't had a thrashing. We haven't had a time. I suppose Lords was the one time where you probably thought Australia were the most on top, hmm. but then while Ben Stokes was batting, you you, you just couldn't put it past him really uh so it, for me it's just impossible to call australia must be favorites because they're in front uh so that is hugely helpful for them england can't afford uh any mistakes they have to play their their best cricket in the next two games um but look oh, who knows it'll be interesting to see for me uh at old trafford where traditionally that conditions have been more conducive to spin, whether that might be a time where a difference opens up. If Moin Ali is able to contribute more uh, and we see um, Todd Murphy go for quite a few because, you know, they will go for him and they have um, and he didn't bowl a lot there. So Australia like going in with a spinner. I know people are saying, well, maybe drop him and have the four seamers and 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 then have you know uh, Travis Head uh, and and Steve Smith or even Marnus Labuschagne contribute they like having a frontline spinner Australia so I'd be surprised if they le- left left him out 
that that could be a, a very interesting um, uh, thing coming into it. Uh, also, the other thing for Moin Ali, I think it's probably important to to just acknowledge how good Mark Woods bowling was as well. And when you've got him coming at you from one end, speeds incredible, you know, 95 miles an hour. It, it's just incredible to watch him coming back and bowling with that kind of pace. That and then having Moen Ali at the other end, I think Moen really benefited from having someone of Mark Wood's speed because then you have players going for him and he does pick up he does pick up wickets when when players try and take him out of the attack. It's teed up beautifully. I can't wait to see what unfolds um, at Old Trafford and the Oval over the course of the next couple of tests. And we'll let you rest and stake out local barbers as well between now and uh, Wednesday week. Melinda Farrell, thank you. Yeah, I need. A, I do need a haircut, I have to say. <laughs> I'll make sure I go to the cash machine. Do. Make sure you pay. Make sure you pay. That's case in point. Take it easy. Thanks.